How you guys doing? Nice. That's good. Good. Praise the Lord. Amen. I have the privilege of bringing the word here to you, and I'm, I'm, ex- I'm excited to preach, you know, to see what uh, this is the product of Mike, Mike Cavanaugh's teaching, you know. <laughs> so, no pressure. So, the message of this sermon, as I titled it, is Don't Give Up. And it's a very simple phrase, right? It's one that's easily understood. I mean, in fact, it's probably one of the most cliche motivational phrases we've heard in our life, right? You know, we see it plastered all over the classroom walls. We see it all over in our social media feeds, right? The message, it's been engraved in our minds since day one, right? But, you know, it's so easy to remember up here, right? But we seem to forget it in the midst of trials, right? We're so quick to question the statement in the face of adversity. And why does this phrase seem to lose all of its power when it matters the most, right? And at least I think it's because there's a twisted sense of comfort in giving up, right? And what I mean by that is when we struggle, we're hoping to reach some sort of solution, uh, resolution. We are expected to be rewarded for our efforts, you know? So, but what happens when we don't see those visible changes, right? What happens when it feels like God isn't answering our prayers? And in the natural, our struggle seems futile. You know, all our progress can look like just one big illusion. And, but if we give up, we don't put ourselves in the line of fire, right? We don't set ourselves up for disappointment. You know, we can coddle ourselves to sleep and lie to ourselves saying, oh, I, I tried my best, you know? You know, we find comfort in the misery because we've become accustomed to it. You know, it doesn't take strength to hide behind walls you've built for protection. It takes strength to lower your defenses and actually engage in a fair fight where literally anything can happen. You know, there's no predictions or strategies that you know, can help you face the unexpected. Yeah. And sometimes, at least in my opinion, I have found that we are more afraid of failing than staying stagnant. I'm going to say that one more time. We are more afraid of failing than staying where we are. But it says in the Bible, 2 Timothy 1.7, and everyone knows this verse, that God has not called us to have a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. We're called to be warriors, not cowards, and yet it seems like we sometimes forget how to fight. We seem to forget how to pick up a sword. But Jesus said in John 16, here on this earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Now, some people just look at the part that says, I overcome the world. It's a prom- it's, indeed, it is the promise that's going to protect us, but there's also a promise that we will have to fight on this earth. It's not if, it's when, right? So this should not be a surprise to us, yet it is. You know, God's given us victory over the enemy. He's given us the promise to sustain us through our trials, but it's in that period of sustaining that we feel the most tempted to give up. You know, God promises us deliverance, and there's a process for that. And yes, I do agree that sometimes it can't just happen instantly. It can be a one-time deal, you know? But at least in my experience, I have discovered that it, most of the time, more often than not, is a process. And it is during that process where we feel the most adversity. You know, and the enemy takes advantage of that. He wants us to believe we cannot be delivered from our trials. He wants us to believe that we're going to always stay in the same spot no matter how hard we fight. And we see an example of the enemy's relentless attacks 
in Psalm 56, in which David has been captured by the Philistines in Gath. So you could turn your Bibles if you want to Psalm 56. If not, that's fine. I'm reading out loud anyway. <laughs> I'll give you a couple, God's couple of minutes to get there. Just give me like a thumbs up, you know, when you're ready. Okay, but yeah, that works too. Okay. Be merciful to me, my God, for my enemies are in hot pursuits. All day long they press their attack. My, adverse, my adversaries pursue me all day long. In their pride, many are attacking me. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust and not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? All day long they twist my words. All their schemes are from my ruin. They conspire, they lurk, they watch my steps, hoping to take my life. Because of their wickedness, do not let them escape. In your anger, God, bring the nations down. Record my misery, list my tears on your scroll. Are they not in your record? Then my enemies will turn back when I call for help. By this, I will know that God is for me. In God, whose word I praise. In the Lord, whose word I praise. In God, I trust and I'm not afraid. What can man do to me? I am under vows to you, my God. I will present my thank offerings to you. For you have delivered me from death and my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. Now, although the enemies David is referring to are physical, there's no reason why this can't be applied spiritually. And see, David has the correct response here. He's letting his faith determine the. He's not letting his circumstances determine his faith. He's letting his faith determine the circumstances. All right. And despite being surrounded by enemies, he has not lost his trust in God, and he has not lost his will to fight. And verse 11 in particular stands out because it really highlights the power of God and says, in God, I trust and I'm not afraid. What can man do to me? See, that's the kind of response we should have to trials. We often lose sight of the power of God because we're looking at the situation around us. And sometimes I, I find that a major reason, at least in this culture, the reason that we have that misunderstanding is from the, the mistranslation of the principle in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, which says, no temptation is overtaking you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not be tempted by what you can bear. And when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And the word temptations here can be translated to a sin, a trial, any type of suffering. But the problem is people ignore the preceding verses, which provides the context for the theology in this, in this section. See, in the previous verses, Paul is talking about Israel's sins of idolatry, sexual morality, basically all of that. He's not talking about trials and suffering. So when he writes that verse, he assumes that you know what he's talking about. But when people take those words and apply them to temptations, we are left disappointed. Because we think that God is promising us that he will never leave us in a situation that's beyond our control. Obviously, that's not true. And there's plenty of biblical examples of that. Because if that was the case, then would Israelites have found themselves as slaves in Egypt for 430 years? You know, would Paul have been begging God to take away his thorn in the flesh? Would Job have faced his trial? No, obviously not. The list is endless. And see, the trials that we face in life are intended for us to rely more on God. They're intended for us to become more dependent on him and less dependent on us. And, of course, this doesn't change the fact that it remains difficult. And there's a quote that I've heard. Someone told me this, and I will never forget it. And the quote says, sometimes it takes 
longer for the heart to accept what the mind already knows. We may understand this concept spiritually. It's not that difficult in writing, but we still have physical bodies. We're still human. We still have emotions. We face feelings of depression, anxiety. We feel fear, grief, remorse, all of that. We're human. And even the most devoted followers of God have suffered from this. Look, as I use David as an example, he gave us the clear picture of how to respond to trials. Later on, we show him doing the exact opposite of that, through no fault of his own. In Psalms 102, verses 3 to 4 and 9, it says, For my days disappear like smoke, and my bones burn like red-hot coals. My heart is sick, withered like grass, and I have lost my appetite. And verse 9 says, I eat ashes for food, and my tears run into my drink. Elijah, one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament, right? God used him on on Carmel to expose the prophets of Baal, right? To give God victory and glory. But in 1 Kings 19, he expressed he wanted to die. He asked the Lord to take his life. Even after that great victory, he was just focusing on himself in the moment. And I don't mean as a pride thing. It's just that he literally could not see outside of the situation because he was just so focused on the distress he was in. And, I mean, do you realize how much, ask yourself that, do you realize how much pain this man was facing to ask that? Now, you can, you can say it was just for a moment. You could say it was an emotional reaction. You could say it was mood swings. But the point is, that request is insane, right? He wanted his suffering to end, and he didn't care about anything else at the moment. You know? Job cursed that he was born. Ezekiel He had his wife taken from him by the Lord himself, and the Lord instructed him not to lament. He told him not to show any signs of visible sadness. The love of his life was snatched away from him at that moment, and he had to press on like nothing happened. Like It was just an ordinary day. In addition to that, Ezekiel had to lay on his left side for 390 days and his right side for an extra 40, right? And that was to represent the, the punishment that God had in store for Israel and Judah, So that's a total, 430 days. I can't even begin to fathom the amount of pain that that man was in. And I know for a fact every single one of those people I listed were tempted to give up. I'm sure they all questioned if they was worth it. I'm sure they weighed their options. I know for a fact every single one of them was pushed to the breaking point. How do I know that? It's simple. They were human. There's nothing, it was nothing special about them. They were no different from us. Yet, they found the strengths to keep going. That strength was their devotion to the Lord. (laughs) Joseph, wrongfully imprisoned for doing the right thing. And when he was in prison, he interpreted the dreams for Pharaoh's baker and cupbearer. The cupbearer told him that he would tell the Pharaoh about him and that he would get out. And once the cupbearer was was out and, you know, he, he did his thing, Joseph was stuck in prison for another additional two years because the cupbearer forgot. Like, he already suffered. I don't, I, the, the Bible doesn't exactly say how much time he was in there, but he was in, I'm assuming, for a while. And he had faced an additional two years after that through no fault of his own. And this isn't in, like, this, this prison was in Egypt. This is not some American prison, not that that's any, like, Something that's light, of course, but could to compare realistically, you know, were a lot, they were a lot tougher back then, you know. So the, at, at this point, you know, most people would have just thrown in the towel. I, I don't blame them, you know. I certainly would have, but Joseph remains faithful 
He was, and he was rewarded by God. If Joseph had given up, he would have never become the new Pharaoh. Think about that. If Moses had given up, the Israelites would have been enslaved for a longer period of time. Although God would have eventually sent someone else. It's not dependent on one person. But Moses would have missed out on so much character development. He would have missed out. And his relationship with God would not be where it was today. And the Israelites would have faced a longer time of trial. Or what, what if Solomon chose to remain in his stubborn ways and miss the opportunity to shed light on the emptiness this world has to offer? I mean, without that guidance, our perspective is nihilism and that's it, you know? There's no hope after that. And Paul gave up. We wouldn't have the epistles for encouragement. You know, his various missionary trips, they wouldn't exist. The era of the early church, a lot less influential because Paul was a major influence in that. And what if Peter let his failure of denying Jesus stop him from preaching the gospel to lost souls? You know, the Bible's filled with examples of real-life people who had the opportunity to give up and did not. You know, it does not mean they did not struggle. It does not mean they did not face temptation. It does not mean they were not tempted to quit. Some even fell down. They growled for a period of time. But they did not quit. You know, quitting... It's a mindset in which you don't allow yourself to restart. It is self-imposed. Falling down does not make you a failure. Staying down makes you a failure. Now, me, I faced a lot of challenges in life. I do not say it was a pride when I say that I'm no stranger to struggle. It is not a badge of honor, I think. But there was one point in my life where God had, where I was tempted more than ever to give up. And, you know, I'd, I'd rather, of course, you know, keep it to myself, but, you know, just for the sake of you understanding how important this is, I will share. I will be vulnerable, you know, just because God has wanted me to, you know. So some of you already know this from, you know, if you were in public speaking class, but for those who haven't, this is the first, your first time hearing this. Uh-huh. So for a good amount of my life, I've struggled with porn addiction, right, that was eating my life away, you know. I could not focus on anything else. I was consumed with just constant thoughts of failure and inadequacy and the enemy beating me over and over and over and over again, right. And every time I tried to stop, every time I found my strength to get up, the grip got tighter and tighter and tighter. And every time I felt like I would make progress, I would just fall back deeper into the pit and deeper into the state of depression and despair, and I didn't just stop there, you know. I eventually found myself talking to someone that I, I shouldn't have, you know, through one of, one of those nights, you know. And she was literally telling me everything I wanted to hear, everything I desired. She was more than willing to give. At that moment, I felt like I was on top of the world, you know. But after, I would often just cry myself to sleep, you know. You know, I just felt like it was, wasn't worth it. You know, she, she said all the things, you know, like, oh, stuff that a guy wants to hear, I love you and things like that. But the words were empty. They were meaningless. They were devoid of meaning. I did not feel anything. I just become numb because I realized God did not have this life for me. I could not continue in this direction, you know. And one night, I remember just being so, like, frustrated because I had fell again, 
And I remember it just out of frustration, I just started punching my matches over and over and over again, you know. And until I literally just collapsed on the floor out of pure exhaustion. And as I was on the floor, I just thought to myself, I should, I should quit. There is no point in fighting this anymore, you know. I grow farther and farther apart from God every single time. I'm just destined to struggle in this area. There is no hope. There's no deliverance. I told everyone else, God can heal you. God can deliver you. I said all the right things to people, and I believed that. But it wasn't real in my situation, you know. And at that moment, I felt like God put a memory in my head from some time ago. And this may sound a little weird, a little unorthodox, but just bear with me because this is like probably the, the moment that I felt that God's presence the, the most that I've ever in my entire life, you know. And he reminded me, uh, he reminded me of, this, of this clip that I, I watched from one, of, um, one of my favorite shows back then, The Spectacular Spider-Man, right? And this clip, right, Peter, you know, he unintentionally made a huge mistake that cost him his job and his reputation amongst his friends, and that was just because of kind of juggling the two identities back and forth. You can watch this on your own if you really want to, you know, see the rest of the story. But, but um, basically, he, he, he had like a monologue to himself at that point, and the monologue said this, I never asked to be Spider-Man. I never asked for these powers. I never knew it would mean no job and friends who think I'm scum. It's all just a twist of fate, bad luck. Random bug bite. Nah. Then he removes the cork from the test tube. Oh, I I forgot to mention that. So, so basically, he was so just done with everything that he had actually contemplated taking a serum that would remove his powers permanently. So he removed the cork, and he was about to drink it. And during this time, I'm finding myself having parallels with that. I don't have superpowers. I was not bit by it's a spider, but <laughs> it was the, the, you know, the, I'm still praying for that, but, you know, the, <laughs> no, not, nothing yet, and that, that's, that's totally fine, you know, <laughs> but this time, I found myself in parallels with that, with his mindset, right, with his pain, and as I reflected on the words, I found myself thinking, I never signed up for this, I never knew being a Christian would just be a nonstop fight in a cycle of continual defeats, and I just can't seem to stop sinning, right? I'm not good enough. I will never be good enough, and I was stupid to think that I could beat this. I should just give up. I can look the part of the Christian on the outside, and on the inside, I will just continue with this pain that only I, I can shoulder, and I would just give, embrace, my, embrace this and not fight anymore. I, it became a part of my identity at that point. And just as he's about to drink the serum, he spots a picture of his Uncle Ben. And for those of you who don't know, you know, Uncle, his Uncle Ben was murdered, and he had the chance to stop it, and he did not, and that was inspiration for becoming a hero. That was, responsibility. that was the responsibility he put on himself to do better. And when he saw that, he remembered all the good he's done at Spider-Man, he, and he realized that he had a moral obligation to continue doing so. And at that moment, I was just reminded of Jesus, and I remember the reason I became a Christian, and I gave my heart to Jesus because I genuinely loved him, you know? And I wanted to serve him. I had a responsibility to continue serving him because he gave his life for me. You know, the Bible says, if you love me, you obey what I command. It, was not, it, it isn't 
obligation, not that he's lording it over you, but it's just something that you genuinely want to do. And I realized at that point, I could not give up no matter the cost. I could not give up when it felt like I used all my strength. I could not give up because God is faithful. You know, I could not give up on God because he never gave up on me. Even when I gave up on myself, even when I felt like I had nothing left to give, he knows the future, and he knows that I was going to pass, you know, pass through this in Jesus' name. And you know what? I'm not going to lie to you guys. We're in for a long, hard fight. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to lie to your faces, you know, just how it is. You know, the enemy's out there. He's real, and he will stand at nothing to get in our way, right? He would use every trick in his arsenal to beat you down, have you groveling in the dirt, sometimes wishing you would just die, and it would be all be over again. Hmm. You know, we'll face trials of every kind, tribulations of every shape and size, and temptations that just haunt us day and night. But we cannot give up. You know, we must hold fast to that promise in 1 John 4.4 4, that says, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who was in you is greater than the one who was in the world. Or in Romans 8.31, If God is for us, who can be against us? Luke 10.19, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. 2 Corinthians 4.8-10, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. That is the kind of God we serve, you know? No matter what we're facing, I'm here to tell you God is faithful despite the circumstances. God has not lost faith in you, so do not lose faith in him. You know, and if you think about it, some of the people I've mentioned were in the Old Testament, and that's pretty significant for a couple of reasons, you know? Back then, they did not have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit like we do now. They did not have the completed canon of Scripture. They could not just skip to the end to Revelation to see, hey, we're going to win in the end. They didn't have that. They didn't have the Psalms to look for for encouragement, how I'm just quoting verses to you. They could not do that. But they did not give up. So what excuse do we have when we have all of that and more? And I say this not to shame you, but to encourage you to not give up. Think, if you give up everything you faced, every tear that you cried, or the things you wrestled with would ultimately mean nothing. If you give up, you let the enemy win, in this, at least in this life. Because the enemy, he, he, he knows that he can't, you know, that we're, we're souls are going to heaven. He knows all that, that God has secured us. But he's going to try to make our life as miserable as possible. In the meantime, and I don't know about you, but I am tired of letting the enemy have fun at my expense. And if you give up, Jesus died on the cross for nothing. And as harsh as this may sound when I tell you this, you are essentially insulting God when you give up. Because God has told you otherwise, and you are contradicting that. Because God told you that you will prevail through his power. So who are you to tell the creator of the universe, the the God who created you, who formed you in your mother's womb, who are you to tell him otherwise? If God is for you, who can be against you? It doesn't matter when it says how you're feeling at that point. The point is, it's a promise. And who are we 
to go against that. You know, God has seen all that. He understands. It doesn't take him by surprise. He knows, you know, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning, and he knows all that. And he, he knows that it's not the end. He knows that your book has been written, and he knows the conclusion. He knows the ending. And we don't, so I'm going to trust the author. You know, I don't know what you're going to do, but I, I encourage you to do the same. You know? So I would just like you to close your eyes with me for a minute and just think to yourself of the trials that you might be facing right now. I don't know what you're going through. You could be going through excruciating amounts of pain for all I know, and I am sorry for that. But Jesus, he cares. He cares about each and every single one of the things you're going through, and he has more in store for you. This is not the end of the road because Jesus would have not sent his son to die on the cross if that was it. It's not it. There is more in store. Even if you can't see, even if you look into the future and you say there's nothing better, this is, this is it. This is my life. I'm embracing whatever temptation. This is my identity. This is, you know, I identify as an alcoholic. I identify as this or that, porn addict, whatever it is. That's all lies. Those are every single one of those are lies that the enemy is trying to convince you to believe. He is a liar. So I would like you to bring those things to God and just ask him for strength. Ask him to help you get through whatever this is. And, even, and in the future, I know there will be trials. Again, it's a promise. But God has taken care of that. So just remember that. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you just for the the gift that you have given us, Father God. Thank you for your son, for allowing him to die on the cross for our sins. Thank you that you never gave up on us, even when we gave up on ourselves, Father God. Thank you that you know the beginning and the end. And thank you that our fate is sealed, Father God. It's always the enemies that he will burn in the lake of fire in due time. Lord, I just pray for strength for every single one of my fellow students and staff members. Father God, I just pray that you... Pour your presence, Lord Jesus, onto them, Father God, that they would be in abundance, Father God, as David says, my cup overflows, Father God. Lord, you've given us more than enough strength, Lord. We are more than conquerors, Father God. So I pray, Lord, that will not let us, the enemy will not let us, would veer us off the roads that we are on, because we are on the straight and narrow, Father God. And I just pray, Father God, that whenever they feel that they can't do it, that they would just rely on you, that become more dependent on you and less on themselves because we cannot do this in our own strength, Father God. We can do nothing in our own strength. If it was up to us, we would stay where we are and not persevere any longer, Father God. But you have given us the authority to do so. You've given us the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, as you say in your word, Father God, that if you are for us, who can be against us, Lord? Let that not just become a motivational saying. Let, this not, let, us, let that not just because become something that we just recite to ourselves, something we hang up on the fridge, but it will become life because your word is life, Father God, the bread of life that we eat every single day, Father God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen.